0: The Free For All Roundtable.
1: Round one.
2: On round one this morning, Toronto City Councillor uh, Shelley Carroll is here. Vaz Bednar is the Executive Director of the Master of Public Policy Degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Robert Turner is here. News Talk 1010 personality and uh, administrator. <laughs> Um, Let's begin with uh, the Greenbelt Inquiry, not one but two, and I think it's important that we distinguish. distinguish. The Auditor General is going to look into value for money, not whether there's any skullduggery. It's the Integrity Commissioner who's going looking for something. I know that we all have to lawyer ourselves carefully, and you could hear, I don't know if she's, what her training is, I don't know if she's a lawyer, but any politician knows how to avoid slandering somebody during a radio interview. I decided to ask her point blank, Merit Stiles, leader of the NDP, if she thinks that there's been some kind of uh, skullduggery here.
3: I can't speculate, you know, those are those are things you don't want to step into um, uh, lightly. But again, I'm going to say, I think something smells bad out there. And it smells pretty fishy. And I think Ontarians deserve answers. But I'm going to leave it up to the independent officers, the auditor general, and the integrity commissioner to conduct their investigations. Uh, I think we'll find out some interesting things. I, I, I hope that what this does, more than anything, is shine some light into some very dark corners.
2: Okay. Let me start with the person who's also in politics and ran provincially at one point. Shelley, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if we're ever going to find anything in this investigation. I guess I'm glad it's happening, but I'm not about to indict the government at the dawn of it
3: no and and merits following exactly the right path here um, you you could just keep hurling mud and and people are buying that that this is a real problem in the GTA for, for the provincial government because uh, um, you may not have realized how many people are passionate about the green belt being around where they live but uh, but doing this through the official means of the integrity commissioner will will get at something. Did property sales happening in the fall of 2022, um, uh, were they the result of, uh, of tip-offs? I don't know if they'll be able to prove that, but, uh, you know, they can look at the valuation and valuation change and things like that and, and and write a report that does become a problem and a nuisance for the, the provincial government. Um,
2: Vaz Badnar, your thoughts?
0: You know, it actually makes me think of some of the grocery stuff in that I wonder and hope that we have the right tools we actually need to get to the bottom of this i think it gives comfort and confidence when we know that we're going forward with an inquiry like this but it can also be inconclusive right this Mm -hmm. i like your word of skullduggery something smells wrong you know what are we really going to be able to prove and obviously i'm a proponent of these kind of processes and and recognize their importance but i feel cautious too about our ability to actually get you know, definitive answers that puts this to rest once and for all.
2: Okay, and Robert, yeah, skill duggery, which rises above the threshold of mischief and uh, shenanigans.
1: Yes, well, I mean, we just, like, <laughs> nobody knows what happens here. I think everybody looks at it and goes, well, wait a second, why would you buy that land and then that happens? That looks like that was either a, a fortuitous educated guess or somebody knew something. Um, and that could be really hard mm-hmm. to prove. And it could just be, and, but I also don't know anything about these development companies. I don't know how often they go buy land for speculative reasons, right? And if you look through the history, it maybe this is just something they do all the time and they just happen to hit on one lucky. I don't know. If somebody got a big, you know, an envelope full of cash down to somebody said something they shouldn't have to the wrong person, we do need to know that and we need to move forward with it, but we have to wait for the results. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody here is being fairly measured and waiting for the results. That is not what's happening on social media. The people who uh, have already decided that you know the Doug Ford government, forget about the green belt, they have a black belt in corruption, uh, are up to something and this is all (laughs) nefarious. Well, wait for it. Like, just let the process play out. Well, you you know absolutely nothing. The integrity commissioner yeah. rejected Mike Schreiner's call for one investigation against the premier, saying, yeah, there's there's no here here. So, you know, and I, the premier's office was immediately trumpeting that as sort of a victory. It's like, go hang on, wait, there's part two. Uh, and we, we're just going to have to wait and see. And that's the boring part, but none of us knows anything about what happened. TTC is running glitzy ads to encourage us all to use the TTC.
2: Uh, Shelley Carroll, um, I'll, I'll let you you speak to this as a city councilor and somebody who's been on the board at the TTC. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that you can sell people on something if they're not using it at all and, and make it seem any more attractive than the lovely comfort of being stuck in traffic and listening to us on News Talk 1010.
3: Yeah, you know, Goodwill ads by the TTC has has always been a thing since dating back to pre-pandemic. They earn a certain amount of ad revenue from from, uh, what's posted in stations. And if they're going to pay for ads themselves, it has to be a a small percentage of the revenue they're taking and that's what pays for it, fine. And, and that sort of slowed down for a while. But in terms of timing when you come back, right now, I think the reason that people are so upset about reading in the budget cuts to service is that they've been feeling cuts to service all along. Um, when, the, when the funds, the, the, the COVID uh, restart money that was supposed to come to help us with the TTC did not arrive all last year, there have been efficiencies in in services going on and we feel them when we ride. We, we, they're just not documented. And so to then bring out a budget with next year saying, Oh, we'll invest the real money. But by the way, we got to do these service cuts. They're already feeling service cuts. So this ad on TV really just makes people scream at their TV TV sets. You're, You're looking at the cleanest subway station on, on TV that you haven't seen for the last three years and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah, Robert Turner. I have to say, I watched the ad and I thought that looks like a nice transit system. I wonder where it is.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, ads ads tend to try and put the best foot forward in their best day, and that's how they work. Look. Um, the problem is we tried to run the TTC, uh, fully throughout the pandemic. And in retrospect, that was probably a bad idea when ridership plummeted to the level it did, but people still had to get around, especially essential workers. When we talk about service cuts, it's a little disingenuous because what we're talking about is cutting services to the levels, um, that like the level of service isn't, we have way more, way fewer riders than we need for the, the level of service, right? So you have to do some sort of right-sizing. So I don't know how mm-hmm. else you would go about this. If if we try and run the TTC at 100% capacity with when we're expecting, what, in some places 70% ridership, that makes no sense. That's just wasting money on a PR move. So I, mean, I don't know what the answer to all this is. And I mean, a 10-cent fare hike, if you're talking about the TTC being affordable, well, my drive to work costs a lot more than 10 cents extra a day. Yeah, I I still think,
2: though, as we could be more creative in all of this, like I still don't really know, I I know for challenged families it's great the kids ride for free, I'll never understand Mm -hmm. why I can go downtown and have lunch and come home and I don't have to pay for my second trip, I mean, so we can narrow the, the transfer window to 45 minutes instead of two hours, I mean, but I'll let you run with this.
0: Well, we could narrow the transfer window. I think people have an appetite for real talk and feel that the ads are a little bit disingenuous, as beautiful as they are. And, you know, for all the great aspects of the TTC, even when the streetcar is a little slower or your bus is a little bit more busy, maybe we need ads that's, you know, like, please ride the TTC so that it exists in the future. (laughs) You know, we've put the future of the TTC on the, on the bet that everyday people will continue to take it. And it's all tied up in getting back to the office and getting around the city. I don't know, You're, you came up with that idea of narrowing the transfer window. I love the transfer window, I always forget about it. And then I'm like, ooh, I didn't have to pay, woo
2: yeah but i mean i appreciate why you might want to go get the dry cleaning or pick up the kids but why i get to go downtown have a glass of wine and eat an entire lunch and go home for free
1: well because the ttc is not cheap right Right. like the ttc is three bucks 335 with the fare increase so it doesn't take much more if you're going to have to pay it what three or four times now to go out for your lunch because you don't have a transfer window they might as well take the car and park like they're trying to compete this is what they should be doing
2: let me ask you, Robert Turner, about the uh, work, the effort uh, being put in to get workers back in the office place. A lot of this stuff is not new. A lot of people would have seen it at tech companies, but pretty well every office is asking workers, what could we do? How can we redesign? Do you need a foosball table? Are we going to yeah. do that here?
3: <laughs>
1: no, there will be no. they wouldn't
2: yeah. put in, and at the risk of talking about alcohol again, they wouldn't put in beer taps when I asked them. No, but I think that was more of a, <laughs> I think that was more of a
1: you problem, to be honest, but we can talk about that at nine. Um, Look, the reality is, this is all, I think there's a lot of people listening to this shaking their heads as they're driving to the job they've been driving to every single day throughout the pandemic working in a workplace, because this doesn't affect everybody, and it's certain kind of offices. I know, I've been astonished by the number of offices I've heard about, well, they've told everyone they have to be back five days a week, and it just doesn't happen. And guess what? Some companies are doing not much, because the way labor is right now, it's a tricky situation, and people have gotten used to working from home. Um, And if you're still able to work from home and get your job done, I think a lot of companies are struggling with how important it is to have people back. I think you have a lot of top-down management who thinks it should be one way, and you've got a lot of people sort of on the front lines of actually doing the work. Work, saying, "Well, I really don't care if he's in the office. It doesn't come into the office on Tuesdays. If that, me- if we're still getting the work done, um, so I, I don't know where this is going to end up. But this is also part of the TTC problem. Mm-hmm. This is why pe- this is yeah. why the TTC yeah, sits half empty, so. right? And so I it, was, Yeah. If we're gonna, if this is going to be a permanent change, and if it's not permanent, it's at least semi permanent. We have to have that conversation about just how we live generally has fundamentally changed in a fairly major kind of way." Vaz.
0: I was rocketing around all over town on Monday, and some of it was during Monday, what used to be rush hour, when you used to get the old body slam. And I couldn't, like I've been reading about this on the, on the TTC and I could not believe what it was like, but yes, these things are are tied together and luring people back to the office, you know, without a, without a persuasive articulation, again, the real talk, we want you to come in X amount of days per week, why? what's the utility what what's going to be better you know about being in person particular meetings particular types of days things like that we're just sort of flexing trying to flex managerial power and i think people are are chafing at that especially uh, as Robert said, when you've already, so many people have already demonstrated, they can be very productive uh, in a private workspace. Uh,
2: Jordan Peterson, the somewhat controversial figure, is on a speaking tour and a group of Ottawa activists have actually petitioned the city to cancel his appearance in Ottawa. Uh, so let me ask our city councillor, that's kind of a non-starter, isn't it? I mean, if you don't like a speaker, then maybe you can protest, but asking city council to, council to cancel them is uh, a, a little weird.
3: It is a little weird, but but uh, we get placed in these uh, positions once in a while. The, you know, when he had a when there was a big speaking engagement happening at uh, at uh, um, U of T, uh, not of uh, not of Jordan Peterson, but of uh, another very controversial speaker, the woman who used to be married to Bill Maher. Can't remember her name. Uh, somehow, council ended up speaking about it on the floor of council. But I thought, surely this is one topic that that we can avoid. This is someone else's decision. Was this before or after Doug Ford got rid of half of you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was before. It was before. So you had 44 opportunities for somebody to throw it on the floor of (laughs) council. but it you know it, it it reaches a point some of the things about jordan peterson are now so egregious that i understand why people are saying let's just make him not welcome to be publicly speaking in our community and this this is a conversation we're going to have to have about freedom of speech and it's it's almost as if that's his, his whole reason to be, is just to push us to have that argument and to see how far we're going to go before we say, no, this is just well, hate against all women. Uh,
1: well, I, I saw a speech by, uh, or an interview with Jordan Peterson, where he joked about the fact every time he gets protested, his Patreon goes up. Whether If they're successful, yeah. it goes up more. Uh, and I don't know what kind of conversation we need to have about free speech. Isn't the conversation simply, is he is he speaking hate speech? If he is, we have some police officers who need to talk to him. If he isn't, you can protest him if you want, and if that's how you want to spend your Saturday, but you're just making him stronger. Yes, I mean, usually it's Mm -hmm. about lobsters,
2: but uh, as you work on a campus, not a lot of time still on the clock, but your thoughts?
0: Well, I think it's important to try to understand why people are appealing to the government, because I think we Apart from the hate speech aspect, we don't really want our governments to decide who can speak and who can't. um yeah. And people don't have to attend this event if they don't want to. And of course, the right to peaceful protest continues. So let's see how it goes.
2: Thank you all for this great discussion. My thanks to Robert Turner, Vas Bednar, and Shelley Carroll. Catch the roundtable round one at seven forty-five.
3: Round two at eight forty-five. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning News Talk ten ten Toronto.